Hartberg win the hearts of fans with a bit of beer money, no Vienna clubs make it to the European group stages, and just how worried should VSG be after Blauweiss blow them apart for their first league win. Hello and welcome to another weekly episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. My name's Tom Midler. I'm joined virtually in the remote studio by Lee Wingate. We've had European highs and lows already this season in Austria. The group stage draws have been made as well, and there are six match days in the Austrian Bundesliga behind us, and it's almost time for an international break already. But first and foremost, we're here to look at all the goings on so far, including a brilliant bit of beer money distribution at the game that we were at, Heartbreak for Rapid in Florence and Blauweiss Linz moving off the bottom of the Bundesliga table. But why do we not start with our trip to Wolfsburg, Lee? We finally made it there for a Bundesliga game after all this time. Yeah, five years into the podcast and uh, we did it. Shame that Sai couldn't be with us. He's living up in the Jordanian desert at the moment. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really cracking day out all in all. A long, a long way to go from Vienna in one day. Um but thoroughly enjoyable once we got there, I think. Yeah, we got the road trip done in, it's about three hours south in the car from here. So it's not too bad, but yeah, it does make for a long day when you come back uh, there and back all in one day. We definitely got a few uh, like crying face and tears emojis in the group from Simon, who was a bit jealous not to be joining us. But I've promised Simon and I'll promise VRC as well that uh, we'll come back another time soon for sure, whenever we can. Uh, we just looked at our calendars and it was never going to work to get us all three of us down in Wolfsburg on a, a Bundesliga weekend in the near future. So we went for it. The game against Hartberg, perhaps not uh, one of the most blockbuster games of the weekend, but nonetheless, a lovely day out in Wolfsburg. We did a bit of sightseeing as well uh, whilst we were down there. Um, and in the end, Unfortunately, we didn't, uh, or unfortunately for Wolfsburg, uh, we didn't bring them any luck, did we? No, I think that game was pretty one-sided, actually. Even though, you know, Wolfsburg had a couple of moments, I think there was a minute or so in the first half where they had a few really good chances. But apart from that, I thought Hartberg just really looked like they deserved the win. I really thought they had brutal efficiency in front of goal, uh, especially that first goal from the now, the now joint top scorer in the league, Maximilian Entrup, was just, I think, a world-class chip. I think, you know, you sort of don't really describe TSV Hartberg as world-class in too many ways, but it was just a one-touch chip in off the post as the goalkeeper came rushing out. Um, that was, you know, a, a really nice goal. Um, and then, obviously, they, they got a bit lucky in the second half, I think, really, with the goal that Hendrik Bonman, the Wolfsburg goalkeeper, let slip right through him to Donis Avdijay. And then another goal for Entrup after that. So all in all, I think it was, yeah, just no question, a really deserved win. Um, v out C are now five games without a win, I think, whereas Hartberg are absolutely flying. And yeah, I was very impressed by them all in all. The league table early in the season does kind of get skewed a little bit by by recency bias, I suppose. But um, no, you're right. It was pretty one-sided. There were a couple of chances for each team. Right in the first couple of minutes, Hartberg looked like they were going to open the scoring and then VRT responded with a couple of chances. Um, Sabitzer heading wide was a little bit later on. But you felt like VRT blew their chance in those very early minutes where it was a little bit end-to-end. Both teams were just feeling each other out. And if Wolfsburg had taken the lead there, it might have been a different 
thing. But as it was, uh, Veracnig, I think it was, who gave the ball away when VRT were trying to break down the right and it came straight back through. Good through ball for Entrup. And that's what he's done so often this season. When you play a through ball in behind for Maximilian Entrup, he just finds a way to finish it off. And you're right to say that you don't use the, the terms world-class in combination with VRT against Hartberg very often but it was such a nice finish flicking it over the keeper and we had a great view of it as it sort of bounced up into the top corner off the right angle um the only thing was that it was denied by an offside flag at first and then the VAR check uh, decided that it was onside and I was pleased to see them do the full celebration after that (laughs) they celebrated as if it had just gone in which is nice to see yeah, that's a moment that I think you get denied quite often, don't you? When a goal is disallowed and then subsequently allowed to stand, the sort of the emotional moment has passed, but but not for Hartberg this time. Um, yeah, I was just, I've been really impressed with Maximilian Entrup a lot, you know, this season. So I, but I actually don't really know much about where he's come from. Do you know where he's come from? Checks notes. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter did say that they uh, they went to school with him. So, you know, he hasn't come from too far away, I would imagine. He's actually played for a lot of different teams. So he started out in his youth years uh, with Enzersfeld, Vienna, first Vienna youth, Austria Vienna youth, FAC. So a lot of time spent in Vienna. And then he actually moved to Rapid Vienna in 2016. Wow, it's really a journeyman's career here. Rapid Vienna, St. Pölten, um, without a team in 2018. And then Lafnitz, Treiskirchen, Marchfeld, and now Hartberg. They've got him from Marchfeld in 2023. So that's where he's that's where he's come from, Lee. But he's sort of resurrecting a, a second spell of his career here. If you imagine, if you look at that youth lineup of the teams that he was playing for, he was sort of on on path for the Bundesliga many years ago. But now he's made it, and now he's setting the Bundesliga alight. Yeah, I think he's joint top of the scoring charts now with Sinan Karweiner of Klagenfurt. Um, five goals is uh, obviously a great return. And I think you also have to take into consideration which club they're playing for. If a Salzburg player scores five goals, it's probably not worth quite as much as if a player from Hartberg does so. But yeah, just the coolness of that finish, that lob, I'm, I'm really glad that it went in. From the angle we're at as well, as you say, it was a very aesthetically pleasing goal to watch. So the fact that it was allowed to stand, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for. Um, I think that, yeah, like you say, there were a few moments where Wolfsburg might have turned it around. But credit to Hartberg for looking really well organised and breaking really well. I think every time they went forward, they they just looked dangerous somehow. Um and yeah, I mean, you also have to criticise, I suppose, Vietzi's defending a little bit for Hendrik Bonman letting that slip through. That was obviously going to go down as a big goalkeeping error. And then the way that the Vietzi defence was split for Entrup's final goal, I don't know if that goes down as poor defensive positioning or just a brilliant pass. Probably a bit of both, but, but VSC will definitely be... Uh, disappointed in particular because they just seem to have a very poor home record the fans that go down to the Lavental Arena in support of their team do not see them win very many games I feel no they had an awful home record last year that's stretched over a little bit into this season they do have one win only one win in the Bundesliga this season it did come at home but it was on match day one and it was against Blauweiss Linz and it was 2-1 and in the next few weeks Blauweiss Linz would go on to be beaten quite heavily by some other teams so 
on paper, it's not looking great for VRC. The fans didn't enjoy it. They were booing their team already at half time at 1-0 down. They came in for quite a lot of stick from those home fans who uh, are quite long-suffering, I suppose, in Wolfsburg. But I did feel a bit for Hendrik Bonmann because we've actually given him some positive shouts out on the pod this season. And last year, he was under fire for quite a few mistakes, and he's really put those behind him this season. So to just gift that one to Donis Avdiai was, uh, yeah, that was a real low point for what's been quite a good season for Bonman, the VRC goalkeeper. But by the same token, uh, well, on the other foot, I suppose, for Donis Avdiai, a brilliant return. He just secured that move back from Zurich for his third spell now at Hartberg after coming back on loan to Hartberg last season. Um, moved permanently at the end of the transfer window, came on, and got a goal within a few minutes. It was, uh, you know, it was really dropped onto his foot by Hendrik Bonman. He didn't know too much about it, but credit to him for for not giving up on the run across the box into the into the box towards the goal, and he got his rewards. And then, as you say, the third was Entrop again, a lovely finish one on one. He just does that. He's just deadly one on one right now. But um, I think it might be important that Donis Avdija is back. He seems to have a, a great relationship with Hartberg and, and Marcus Schopp. And I think he got five goals and five assists down the stretch last season to pull Hartberg away from relegation. And you just wonder now, at this point of the season, if they're not going to be in a relegation battle at all this year. It's very early, isn't it? I think we often talk about the fact that we have this split in the Bundesliga and the final 10 match days, therefore, are essentially worth double. And you never know what's going to happen between now and then. But definitely, I feel like Hartberg looked like a better side since Marcus Schopp has come back. I think that's fair to say. And a few of their, their attacking players in particular are starting to to stand out a lot right now. Um, so I think there's lots of reasons to be happy. Not only those, though, because, of course, we had that moment, which from the stands, I didn't see. Did you see it happening at the time? I didn't know what was going on. I, I, I sort of had a bit of a Brigitte Annel watch, actually, because I saw her before kickoff and I saw her walking around. And it's quite common to see her around by the dugout or down with the players or, or in the, the section with the fans or, or just somewhere having a good time, basically, when it's a, a sunny Bundesliga Saturday. Um, and I kind of saw her over there, but I did, obviously I didn't know what she was doing until I saw the TV footage where you could clearly see her like unfurling the 100 euro notes and uh, passing them through the gate. But what a brilliant Bundesliga moment. Yeah. So for anyone that hasn't seen it, she was essentially just giving free beer money to the, what would you say, 30 or 40 traveling Hartberg fans? I think maybe slightly more. I, I would have said maybe 50, but I, I don't know. Hard to say exactly, isn't it? They were all sheltered at the back. It looked like there were even fewer because actually same as the, the home fans. Everybody was right at the back of the grandstand because the sun was just beating down on that side and you had to stay right at the back to keep your head out of the, the sun. I imagine they wouldn't have seen that much of the game from, you know, they're shielding their faces from the sun. Yeah, she's a, a lovable character though, isn't she, Brigitte Annel? Because we always see her ferociously celebrating on the sidelines for any of Hartberg's goals. She really lives and breathes the club. And pretty much all of the recent progress has happened since she's been in charge because she is the president since 2017. And since then, two consecutive promotions, staying in the Bundesliga on a shoestring budget, getting into Europe. I think it's um, it's been a pretty good ride for Hartberg so far, really. Yeah, they're living that underdog's dream, aren't they? You know, and, and they've still got that that mindset where they can just enjoy any win. Any win in the Bundesliga is still great. And I feel like this year they're going to pick up more of them. There will be heavy defeats along the way. Their season so far has been a good story, really. They started off well. They perhaps should have won more games, but they threw away a couple of two-goal leads and, and got pegged back for draws. 
And then, of course, they played Salzburg and they lost. They were beaten quite heavily by Klagenfurt as well. And you thought, OK, I wonder if the, the first part of the season um, hasn't really told the right story for Hartberg. But it feels great now for them going into the international break off the back of this 3-0 away win. Um, eight points from six games two wins already in the bank could have been perhaps some more and you do feel or I feel anyway that they'll pick up enough wins to just uh, to just keep them off the bottom this season yeah I, I think so I think Marcus Schopp as I say is the the defining factor for me I think that there are definitely worse teams in the Bundesliga as well when I look towards the bottom of the table right now so early days but um, yeah I think they will be okay I just wanted to ask you if you were surprised by how much international attention this gesture from Brigitte Anel got because it doesn't seem like the most crazy thing to do for an owner to pay for a round of drinks here and again if they're if they're wealthy. So the fact that she passed those three hundred euro notes through the gates and it's now circulating everywhere from like Sport Bible to you know all of the classics like English language media channels, it strikes me as being like this can't be the first time that's happened. No, and I'm sure more crazy things have happened as well. But at the same time, it's perhaps symptomatic of how everybody's feeling about football at the moment. You know, the Champions League, the the theoretical Super League, the breakaway, you know, all of these things where it's a symbolic gesture that the fans and the club are still very much attached as one entity. The club values their fans. She values the fans who specifically travelled over there of their own accord to come and see the team. It's yeah, I think it's just that gesture, you know, that's that's touched people. And you're right, it's not the perhaps not the most crazy one, but for a lot of fans at big clubs, it seems uh, so detached from what they know as as modern football. Yeah, I think that's probably hit the nail on the head there. Well, also, I suppose recently with the the Saudi league and the vast amounts of money being thrown around, I think a lot of fans probably are feeling like there's so much money in the game, but how much value do they have? So yeah, that was really nice to see. I. I hope they all managed to get a beer out of it. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. There weren't that many that, that 300 euro isn't going to get you a beer. But they had a lovely day, the Hartberg away fans, for sure. We had a lovely day. It was a beautiful drive down, a beautiful day. We went for some picturesque uh, views up in Wolfsburg, up in the hills above the Lavantal Arena before the game. So we got some really nice photos on social media from the sort of Wolfsburg signs from, yeah, from the hillsides around the town. It's a very pretty picturesque little town. We had a good walk all the way through it from the stadium back to the town and all the way through to the train station where we had a pizza at the train station, which felt a bit sacrilegious as the uh, the town looked so nice. But at some point we were hungry and running out of time and we had to just get a pizza from the train station. But um I'm not sure if that was my highlight of the day, but it was a very enjoyable day, wasn't it? It was. And stopping off at the Red Bull Ring on the way back as well, sort of, you know, rounding off a a lovely day of sports. So, yeah, nine out of 10 trip for me. I'd I'd only knock one point off for the fact that my pizza at the train station was too cheesy. That's where where the one point gets knocked off. But otherwise, a cracking day. The four cheese pizza, too cheesy for Lee Wingate. I'll knock one point off because we were driving. I know we went to the train station for pizza, but we were in the car and it seemed like every second road that we wanted to take was closed off and had an umleitung and, uh, you know, a, a diversion. And then in the town itself, there was one big car park where we wanted to park. And even that had a big sign up saying it's closed today. But it was very confusing because everybody was still parking in it. So I don't know how we, uh, yes, I, I don't know what was going on there. But still, I'll knock a point off for that. But otherwise, a very, very nice day. That will do for our section for our little away trip 
for, for us an away trip to Wolfsburg at least. And uh, we'll come back with some news from European football after this break. If you're enjoying our weekly podcasts or the information we're putting out on Twitter and you feel like contributing a little bit towards our running costs, you can now do just that by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Thanks to everyone who's bought us a beer already and thanks to you for being an other Bundesliga listener. Welcome back to part two of this week's other Bundesliga podcast. We had a couple of European games last week. Rapid were involved, Lask were involved as well, but we'll stick with Vienna for now. Because we knew that one Vienna club already had failed to make the European group stages. But ultimately, after last Thursday's game in Florence, it was decided that neither Austria-Vienna or Rapid will be playing in the Conference League group stages. Rapid losing 2-0 in an agonising defeat in Florence against Fiorentina, of course. That more than cancelled out their 1-0 home win of the week before. It was another quite brave performance you could say from Rapide wasn't it but um, ultimately they fell short and they will miss out on the group stage bonus. Yeah it's a big shame for Austria as a whole and the Austrian coefficient which we are great champions of but also for Rapide because the first leg against Fiorentina in the playoff round the week before which we've already talked about I think on the last pod really was one of Rapide's great recent performances in Europe. We had the the humiliation of the loss to Vaduz last last year uh, at the same stage. And they performed so well at home to Fiorentina that you just really hope that that sort of the memory of that performance wouldn't be cancelled out or wiped out so soon by what happened in the return leg. And obviously from a results point of view, it was because they lost. But I also thought that they played really well for quite a lot of that game and I expected Fiorentina to outclass them a little bit more you know we're talking about last season's conference league losing finalists they're clearly a very good team Uh, but I thought the Rapide played really well um, probably I'd say for the first hour and then you had just a few moments of total profligacy in attack where Rapide had chances they just didn't take them and I think that they will look back on this second leg with a lot of regret Because it's not like they were outplayed. They were wasteful and they were punished for that. There's a bit of an issue for Rapid. And I think it's coming from the fact that they're a big team. They can look at Fiorentina still, though, and say, ah, you know what? We tried hard. We did well. It was a heroic performance and we lost. But at some point, they need to sort of change that mentality. It's something I mentioned a few weeks ago. And They've had brave performances. There was another one that we can say in the league against Salzburg, they lost then on the follow-up to the Fiorentina game, they lost 2-0 to Salzburg. And it's another one there, so almost content with saying, yeah, you know what, we tried really hard, but we can't compete with teams like this. We did really well. Um, Let's pat ourselves on the back. And in a sense, you're right. Like We can pat them on the back and say, hey, good job, guys. That was a really close game against Fiorentina. But they can't afford to do it themselves. They have to be striving to improve. And at some point, you wonder if they are because there's just so many of these games. Rapid are becoming like the the Scotland national team of of the last 20 years, where it's like heroic defeat is like the thing that they specialize in. And at the end of the day, that's it's not useless. It's not worthless. But at some point, like you do need to progress. And I think you're right, because actually, I think if they were a team with more ambition, they would be really, really annoyed at the way the Fiorentina game went down. Because tactically, they got so much right. They continued what they did in the first leg in that they made Fiorentina uncomfortable. They stopped Fiorentina from being able to get into a rhythm in the game. 
And it took until the sort of the latter stages of both first half and second half for Fiorentina to kind of come up with some answers. But for a lot of those, uh, especially the first half, Fiorentina were really under pressure. Rapid were kind of carving through them. It was Fali Mayulu's best performance for me in a Rapid shirt, especially one... Uh, bursting run down the left flank where he skipped past a tackle. But like you said, profligacy in those final moments, there were time, there were, there were the three or four moments where they just made awful decisions in front of goal. And yeah, there's a bit of bad luck. They didn't have Guido Burgstaller. That's obviously a massive miss. They didn't have Torsten Schick, who's also a great assist provider and a really calm head when they do get into the final third. Somebody, the kind of player that picks out the right cutback or picks out the right cross at the right time. Schick does that maybe more than anybody else now in the Rapid squad. So they were two massive misses. But again, do you want to look back on those or do you want to look at who the players, which players are available and who you've got on the pitch? And those guys could have scored. And I think if Rapid go 1-0 up in Florence, it's a different tie. It's, it's a different result. But at the end of the day, it stayed 0-0. And sort of typically for, for that, it was one of these massive errors of judgment in attack that led directly to Fiorentina's first goal, the equaliser in the tie, in that Rapid were on the break. They had a player forward from an earlier break who was offside. And then the ball came back. They won the ball back. And you thought, great, they've got another chance to go again and make this a really good attack. And the pass came straight through. I think it was from Mormon. I can't remember. But the pass came straight through really quickly to the other player in green and white who was about 15 yards offside. And so obviously play broke down from a really good rapid position. And that was the impetus that Fiorentina needed to go down the other end and uh, get a decent ball into the box and put the put the opener on a plate. It was a little bit fortunate for Fiorentina. But once they got it back to 1-1 on aggregate, you kind of knew it was going to be really tough then for Rapid for the, for the last 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, I think the goal was definitely a turning point. After that, I felt that Rapid sort of lost a bit of confidence that a lead on aggregate brings you. And it was a case of the tide starting to turn after that. I did hope that they would be able to take the tie to extra time. And I knew that would be a tall order because you're away from home for the extra time. The Fiorentina fans are there in large numbers. They weren't there at all for the first leg because of that stadium ban. So I always knew it would be tough, but I had hoped they'd be able to take it to extra time. So it was a little bit galling that that winning goal came so late in normal time. Yeah, it was the 90th minute, a ball across the edge of the box. And immediately the referee pointed to handball. It seemed to hit the sort of bicep and shoulder of Leo Querfeld, who was just inside the box, just behind the D. What did you think of that one? It's it's one that sort of divided opinion. Um, the referee pointed so ferociously to the spot as soon as he saw it that I kind of knew he wasn't going to overturn it for anything. Like he gave it with such conviction that that I knew that his mind was was set, that that was a penalty. The annoying thing for me was that it wasn't checked by VAR. I simply don't understand why that wouldn't be checked by VAR. I'm not saying I'm calling it one way or the other. I just don't see why it wasn't checked, at least. Yeah, do you know, do you know why that would have been? Was that because the ref had such faith in his decision or was it because it's not used in the qualifiers or is, is there some reason for, for why that happened? No, the, there was VAR. According to UEFA, there was VAR available for that tie. I wonder if I, th I thought all penalties were checked to some extent anyway, but I suppose that when the referee makes such a big decision and such a, a specific decision like that, he wasn't in two minds at all. He was so, so determined that it was a penalty that you're almost charging the VAR officials then with quite a big decision to say, have you made a clear and obvious error? Maybe not, but 
it was a close one. I think it's it's hard, you know, from a rapid point of view, it's definitely going to feel harsh, especially coming in the 90th minute after, you know, 180 good minutes of football on the whole against a really good team. He sort of leans down a little bit, Querfeld, as the ball comes over towards him, he leans down a little bit, but then drags the arm away. So the arm just comes out, but then goes back in and it then sort of hits him maybe on, on, the, on the tricep, but he sort of already pulled his arm in at that point. I think it, it almost... At first glance, in real time, it looks worse than it is because you see the arm come out and then go back in. And the, your initial response makes it, you, you feel like he's, he must have pulled his arm in after the ball hit him. Mm-hmm. But actually, he pulls his arm back in before the ball hits him. So it was just sort of a weird movement. But when the ball hit him, I really could have seen a referee. If they studied that on VAR and they looked at the tape, I could absolutely have seen them give that either way. So it could have been turned over. It could have been cancelled and, and maybe would have gone to extra time but at the end as I say it's it's left Rapide essentially clutching at straws as as they so often do with these good performances that are ultimately unrewarded. Yeah I think that they don't have the consistency at the moment to be you know a team that is obviously challenging right at the very top of the Bundesliga or really good enough to make a mark in Europe because you have a couple of 5-0 wins on the bounce and then you'll have you know, an inexplicable draw to VSK Tirol, even though they totally dominate, you know, and then unable to quite follow up on on a really good first leg performance in this case. Um, I do think that they've got the talent there, but it is frustrating and it must be frustrating to be a Rapid fan when you see the inconsistency in their play, because you think if they could just get some consistency, there's no reason why they couldn't, you know, they've got a lot of talented players. There's no reason why they couldn't be finishing third instead of Lask or maybe even pushing up higher. But the fact that they are already, uh, what is it now, six games into the season and 10 points off the top already, that tells you a lot, I think, about their their ups and downs. So Rapid miss out on around €3 million Euros by not getting to the Conference League group stages. Austria Vienna also missed out on that potential prize pot when they were knocked out in that thriller a couple of weeks ago by Legia of Warsaw. And they're also struggling, perhaps even more so than Rapid, in the Bundesliga. They did salvage a point in a 2-2 draw against Austria Klagenfurt this weekend. Um, But I'm not sure who will go home the more disappointed with that 2-2. I think Klagenfurt. I think when you are 2-1 up away from home, Going into stoppage time, you obviously want to see that through. They've had a very good start to the season and it's still a very good start because they're unbeaten after six games. But yeah, especially from a set piece as well, for there to be that level of non-existent marking, I think, for the for the equalising goal, I think that's probably, probably going to rankle a little bit with Peter Packelt. Yeah, I think Klagenfurt are also in that position they remind me a little bit of what we were saying about Hartberg earlier. Klagenfurt can do that thing where they must be pretty gutted to have given that away, especially, you know, you want to go into the international break with a win, especially you're having a good season. They're unbeaten, like you said, only uh, one of three teams to, to remain unbeaten in the six games. But they've only won two of those and they could have won realistically four probably. And that's not even being generous. That's They really could have won four. And this is another one where they can also go away and uh, maybe do what I criticised Rapide for a little bit, but they can do it. Klagenfurt can afford to do this, where they can say, hey, do you know what? Anytime we come to Vienna and we pick up a point at the Generali or the Francois Stadion, as it was renamed, which was a nice touch for this uh, 50th anniversary um, by the club for the weekend. So it was officially called the Francois Stadion for that game. Um, They can always say, look, if we go to the Francois Stadion, a point for us is a good result. 
away from home against you know the giants of Austria Vienna, but they do need to be careful as well because they will have ambitions. Uh, they'll say they won't. They they've got that trump card that they can always say no, no. We've got no ambitions. We're just the underdogs. But they will have ambitions. They're definitely good enough to get top six again. And we we know how gutted they were to finish sixth of that six last season. They've got a real chance, a real chance of not being only sixth this season, but actually getting top five and getting Europe. I really think they have. They're they're certainly within the five best teams in the Bundesliga right now. And these points that they're dropping, although it's still a very respectable result, they're they're costly. You know, you've got to you've got to get some of those wins. I really think they should have four wins and two draws by now. Yeah. What we're talking about, Klagenfurt, shall we talk a little bit about Andy Irving and this surprise transfer that came out of nowhere for your your favourite Scotsman in Austria, apart from yourself? Definitely. It's uh, a totally like under the radar transfer, isn't it? It's one that snuck through. And there's not too many transfers where you don't hear about them at all until after the deadline day has passed. And then it's just like, it's been confirmed by the Austrian FA and, and nobody really picked up on it until the Austrian FA actually had to sort of sanction it and confirm that it had happened. Yeah, I mean... So the agreement is he's gone to West Ham for a fee that is is eight hundred thousand euro or is that pounds? I didn't see that figure actually. I saw seven figure a seven figure sum is what I saw. Right. Okay. So seven figure sum where he's joining permanently, but Klagenfurt have the benefit that he's being immediately loaned back to them for this season. I am quite surprised. I mean, Andy Irving is is a really good player. I'm surprised that West Ham Conference League winners West Ham would be keeping an eye on players at Austria Klagenfurt. Like, he's a very good player. Is he good enough for the Premier League? I mean, it's the development curve, isn't it? He's obviously on a very steep upward curve and he's still a young player. And I think West Ham have got a kind of, I don't want to say a scout, but they've got this department looking into other leagues and things. And they've got a German uh, sporting director kind of person who looks out for these links. And I think I've heard that this guy knows he claims to know the Austrian Bundesliga very well which I'm always a bit skeptical when a German says they know the Austrian Bundesliga very well because most Germans don't give the Austrian Bundesliga <laughs> at the time of day but um you know unsurprisingly perhaps for us who know the Austrian Bundesliga fairly well uh, he's identified the Austrian Bundesliga as a place of, of very good value for bringing through young players and, and of course we know that that's the case you know if they did pick up Irving for what what's like one one point five million if it's something like that? What's that for West Ham? It's it's virtually nothing, and they would be able to to sell him on to to somebody else in a couple of years simply by being at West Ham. If he stays out on loan, continues the kind of path that he's on now, they could sell him easily for double that in in a year, even if they don't want him themselves or or more than double it perhaps. So they're just seeing it as as a good bit of business sense. And if he really does well, you know who knows? We could be looking at a Scotland international in the next like four or five years. Um, somebody maybe then who's who's in consideration for a place in a in a Premier League side, but they're I think they're playing this sort of early days and uh, taking a low risk gamble, I suppose. I have to say I'm delighted for Andy Irving himself though because he's a player that's obviously come away from his comfort zone. We don't see loads and loads of players from Britain doing that. Of course, the trend is changing now, but he went to Turkuchu München. And now he's come to Austria Klagenfurt, been really successful there, been one of their best players. It's nice to see the sort of boldness and courage that it takes to go abroad to a lesser known league, get rewarded with a move like this. Yeah, absolutely. And did you see, while we're on that subject, um, there are three Scotland under 21 internationals in the latest uh, U21 squad who are playing in Austria. 
which is quite something. Uh, can you expand upon who the others are? Um, it must be. I'm trying to think of this now. Ibani Boat at Hartberg and Max Johnson at Sturm. And there's a there's an Admira player. There's a Scottish Admira player as well. Okay. So I think it's those three because uh, it's not it's not Andy Irving. But still, uh, how amazing is that to have three uh, players in you know three players in the Scotland U21 squad who are playing in Austria, and uh, yeah, it's it's looking bright. The the internationalisation of Austrian football is happening, and Andy Irving's leading the way. Yeah, I remember the days when we were first here, and we had one player at Wolfsburg who was English, Ash Kigbu, I think it was. Um, but but now we've got Connor Noss, who is Irish German. We've got a few Scots. Um, we got any more from from the home nations? Oh, you're putting me on the spot now. Um, the the Scottish players that I just mentioned. Yeah. Oh, and we of course had we had Arthur Okonkwo uh, at Sturm Graz last season, who's now gone from being on loan at Sturm Graz to being on loan at Wrexham with the whole um, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Um, sort of is that how you pronounce it rob M- i don't know what i don't know how you pronounce it rob mckillenny rob mckillenny yeah. I, I, yeah. i'm not sure either but austrian cup austrian cup or disney plus you know what, what's your what's your pick austrian cup all the way obviously good choice um just to round things up then with uh austria vienna 2 klagenfurt 2 um shinan Karweiner, another of the players a top the uh, the goal scoring charts alongside Maximilian Entrop and congratulations to anybody who would have said that after six match days Shinan Karvina and Maximilian Entrop would be the two joint top scorers in the Austrian Bundesliga because I don't believe anybody would have said that but Karvina another one on on fine form he's actually uh, he's top in my book because he's got five goals and two assists whereas Entrop has five goals and one assist yeah I mean both of them are having brilliant seasons that we probably didn't see coming. I'd say especially in the case of Entrup, given his journeyman career, it's really nice that he's got this breakthrough now. I think Kavainer is a little bit younger, isn't he? Yeah, he's two years younger, 24. Yeah, so perhaps he's sort of a, an up-and-coming player, but it, it feels a little bit like a late bloom for Maximilian Entrup, and that is that is particularly nice. But yeah, it's nice to see Klagenfurt and Hartberg doing so well because for I don't know personally I think they're both quite likable clubs especially Hartberg um, and, and Klagenfurt have been consistently breaking into that top six for a couple of seasons now so yeah well-run clubs I would say absolutely it's sort of the dream for a lot of Austrian clubs that you look at the budget these teams are operating on you look at the players they've got in their squads and everyone thinks we could do that because theoretically you could but these clubs are actually making it work so that's that's really very commendable and Carvina is just another one of those players that's just finishing off everything that comes his way at the moment. But the first goal that he scored this weekend at the Franz Hohstadion was one of the more bizarre Bundesliga goals that you'll see. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge defensive mix-up, wasn't it? One Austria-Vienna player tried to clear the ball out, another one passes it back into the danger zone, and Karvainer's just left with a, a very easy tap-in at the near post. It was, I mean, it's atrocious defending. Yeah, it was so funny. Carvina running in. Yeah, as you say, one cleared it for a corner and then there happens to be a defender down there by the, the byline who sort of accidentally knocks it right back into the path of Carvina who just taps it in. So it was it was a very strange uh, bit of pinball in the penalty area. But um, yeah, Klagenfurt turned it around to lead 2-1. Mackie Skezos, who I interviewed not that long ago, um, getting the second goal with one of those headers as well where he's not the tallest player, uh, the defender, and he almost didn't jump 
but the cross just ended up right on his head. So it's some pretty poor defending from uh, Braunöder, I think, was the man who was marking him. But then, as you said, uh, Austria Klagenfurt returned the favour in injury time with some absent marking of their own to leave it 2-2. But whilst Klagenfurt unbeaten, Austria-Vienna have picked up just five points and one win from their six games so far. How worried should they be? Obviously, of the big five traditionally, so by that I mean Salzburg, Lask, the two Vienna clubs and Sturm Graz. So I would say Austria-Vienna are the weakest and for them to start badly or to perform badly is not really that unusual. When you look at last season, they also started pretty slowly and then started to rise up the table a little bit as the season went. Um, but yeah, obviously they'll be falling below their expectations at the moment, especially, you know, when you're playing at home um, and to just be stealing a point at, at the death, it's, it's probably going to be falling below many people's expectations. Pretty much the only thing Austria Vienna seem to be able to do is stop rapid winning at the Allianz Stadion. <laughs> Beyond that, not that much otherwise. That is their special power, isn't it? <laughs> Beating Rapid in the derby at the moment. But my worry for them is that since they've lost Tabakovic, they've scored just four goals. Um, that's the second lowest in the Bundesliga. So they're really struggling on that front. Um, yeah, that's going to be a problem for them. But um, no Europe for them. So at least they're not, you know, in that sense, obviously it's a bad it's, it's bad news and they, they miss out on a lot of money and an exciting journey. But I think this season, them just concentrating on the league isn't going to do them too much harm because they do need to concentrate on the league. It is early, early days, but um, that split between the top six and bottom six, it, it comes around quickly, doesn't it? And it will be looming large for uh, for Austria-Vienna and they need to uh, steady the ship and steer it in the right direction. At least for them, they can go into the international break knowing that they grabbed a late point with Andreas Gruber's goal. We'll leave it there for the two Vienna clubs missing out on Europe. We'll take a quick break and we'll round up the rest of the Bundesliga when we come back. Hello again and welcome back for part three of the other Bundesliga podcast. A couple of Bundesliga results to round up before we move on very quickly to the international break news at the end of this pod. But um, the first question for part three is, how worried should VSG be? Because there was a big bottom of the table clash this weekend. It was winless VSG at home to winless Blauweiss Linz. And uh, one of those teams got their first win. And of course, by now you'll have worked it out. It was Blauweiss Linz. And it wasn't just a win. It was a 4-2 win um, and quite a one-sided 4-2 win. Yeah, I mean, obviously they got off to the perfect start with the Ellie goal um, with Ronivaldo sort of latching onto quite a nice cross, I think, from Simon Pickle because it was really looking like it was going out of play and he just about managed to keep it in. Um, and I think that was after 88 seconds. Um, and then Mensah with uh, an incredible like lashed finish into the roof of the net after 10 minutes. And obviously Klagen for, um, sorry, obviously VSG Tirol did come back into it. You had uh, that man, Luca Kronberger, who scored the incredible goal against Rapid Vienna scoring again. Um, but I felt like there was only going to be one winner. And in the end, 4-2 away from home is quite a big margin of victory for a club that was winless going into this game and had actually never won a Bundesliga match before. Um, so I think it will be worrying times for VSG Tirol. Not 
times to really start panicking because if you look at their general trend over the past few seasons, it's been quite normal to have a patch of six games unbeaten and then six games without a win. Um, but they'll want to start rectifying this quickly before too much of the season passes, I think. Perhaps this international break has come at the right time for them. Yeah, maybe so. They are a club that that preaches kind of calmness in these situations. There's, you know, obviously a very, very long-standing manager in Thomas Silberberger. He's saying that he's so well-connected with the club, as of course you would imagine at this point, that everything is, is such a, a well-run unit together that there's not going to be massive pressure. You know, it's probably the only Bundesliga club where we're not looking at this international break thinking, oh, is Silberberger going to lose his job here? You know, is there going to be that kind of pressure? There's nothing like that. And that does help for VSK. It gives them time. They know there's time to dig themselves out of it. They know that even if it is a relegation battle and a, and a tough old season for them, they'll take it right down to the wire and they've got time to do that. But they were saying before this game, obviously the pressure was building a little bit with uh, no wins in five and two points. They picked up on the form curve a little bit with two very well uh, battled points, you know, hard fought points, including that one with Kronberger's lovely goal at the uh, Allianz Stadion, uh, getting a point against Rapid. So they were saying, look, you know, if we beat Blauweiss-Linz now, that's five points from six games. And that would fall well within our kind of reasonable, uh, normal start to the season. But it's not five points from six games. It's two points from six games. It's no wins. They will have given a huge amount of confidence to Blauweiss-Linz with this as well, because yeah, we say 4-2, but it wasn't like an end-to-end back-and-forth game. It was really very much dominated by Blauweiss-Linz. The, the second goal for VSG came from a, a goalkeeping error right at, well, not right at the end, but uh, a goalkeeping error that uh, ultimately didn't make too much difference other than a bit of polish on the scoreline. Um, and the goal from Kronberger was a lovely finish, but it could easily have been 4-1 or, or perhaps even and you know 4-0. It was like the Conor Noss and the Ronnie Valdo show, I thought, for Blauweiss-Linz. And for a team who we've been wondering, you know, are they ready for the Bundesliga, Blauweiss-Linz? Are they up to scratch? Are they... Are they able to compete with other teams in this league to see them push back and just dominate VSG that surprised me surprised me too a lot I think that obviously it's quite easy for any football supporter fan analyst or or journalist to take snapshots and obviously like last week we were saying are they good enough for the Bundesliga and now we might be thinking actually they are good enough I think if you look at it over the whole season I think they will still be competing towards the bottom of the table but they are probably going to be feeling significantly more confident that they are not the worst team in the division now because there are two VSG and Australia so now who still haven't won a game at all Um, and it, it will give them that bit of confidence that hopefully you know, such a historical result for the club as well that they can go on and and at least give give a good account of themselves this season. Whether it's enough to stay up, I'm still not sure. Only time will tell that. Indeed, but still an important statement for Blauweiss-Linz. It will be a big boost of self-confidence and VSG will be kicking themselves really that they have handed Blauweiss-Linz that initiative to get their season started. Uh, Blauweiss will have a lovely international break. Um, VSG though, Probably the the best positive for them so far this season is that, as you mentioned, uh, Lustenau also are yet to win a game. So there's two teams at the bottom with just two points apiece. And it was Lask 2, Lustenau 0 at the Raiffeisen Arena. Lask left it pretty late, though, didn't they? Yeah, I think that there was quite a bit of frustration building there because they didn't seem to be able to get the breakthrough. Um, We talked a few pods ago about the youngster Elias Havel. Um, I thought he was the game-changing force for them in this one. 
they came on at half time and they just looked to have so much more attacking energy. They looked to be much more alive going forward. Um, he had that goal disallowed, which was a shame because it was a lovely back heel um, for an offside in the build-up. And then he assisted the second goal for Goiginger uh, after Philip Zierreis had, had opened the scoring, I think, in the 79th minute with a header from a corner. So it will come as a relief to last because they've obviously had a big week with that Zrinski mostar second leg in Bosnia. Um, they were probably deserving of the win, but yeah. For Luster now, things are looking a little bit bleak right now, aren't they? On on top of the Feralberg derby defeat to to then sort of hold out for so long but come away with nothing again. It's probably I don't know if it's too soon to say this is second season syndrome. Um, but they are they are looking poor so far. Yeah, I wonder if their form curve is almost even more worrying than, than VSGs, actually. And you hear about Friedrich Kass, uh, Lucas Friedrich Kass, the striker, who's been somebody who's bailed them out of trouble last season. He got into double figures for goals last season. was a real shining light of that team. Um, he's said to be unhappy with the situation. You know, he probably wanted to go in summer. He wanted to go in this transfer window. That seems pretty unlikely now, unless he goes to one of the few leagues who still have a window open uh, this week. Obviously, most of them have shut by the time of recording this podcast. So it's looking tough for them. Um, Lustenau have actually signed Jonathan Schmid, the French player with a massive amount of experience in the German Bundesliga. Um, he's played for Freiburg, Augsburg, Hoffenheim, amongst others, but mainly he's well known for his time at Freiburg. Um, he was out of contract and available for Austria Lustenau to sign, so he could be dangerous from the right wing or uh, as a right fullback as well. So maybe he's the one to uh, change their fortunes going forward this season. For Lask's perspective, for me, the late goals, 79, 96. It's not the kind of win that's going to relieve a huge amount of pressure for them. It's the kind of uh, win that Thomas Sagida can at least check the box and say, yeah, we got that done. But um, it's not going to be one that sort of gathers them a huge amount of momentum. It's like job done, at least. Yeah, true. They're up to third now, though. And I think that's you know it's where they finished last season. And it's, it's where they'll realistically think they can get to again this season because the other two are just a little bit too far ahead. Yeah, that's true. We've resumed uh, normal order with Salzburg top, Sturm second and Lask third, as we expected. This is the first time this season, I think, where they filtered into those three positions. Um, and Lask have at least got a lot to look forward to because in their group, they've been drawn in the uh, Europa League group stages with Liverpool, Union Saint-Gilloise and Toulouse. And that Liverpool draw, that's a great one for us, isn't it? It certainly is. Yeah, the English connection. Also, it was very wholesome to see all the Lask board members smiling at the draw in Monaco when they uh, got pitted against Liverpool in the group. I think Liverpool will be far too strong for them in both legs, uh, not both legs, in both fixtures rather. But we obviously had the pandemic starting just when Lask drew Manchester United. So it'll be nice for these games to be you know, fully attended by fans, I think. Yeah, after playing at an empty Old Trafford, that was like a dream tie for Lask. So I'm glad that they've got that chance to play at another legendary stadium in this European run. I'm fancying a trip to Anfield, perhaps, myself. I'm not sure I'll make it, but I'm definitely considering it, put it that way. But yes, Lask have got a nice group. Salzburg, as we mentioned at the top, we briefly mentioned that they saw off Rapid by two goals to nil to stay perfect with six wins from six. Rocco Simic, the, the new hero, just showing that they've got strength and depth. And remember, they've got about I think they've got 12 or 13 players on the injury list right now. So uh, however strong Salzburg are looking, they've still got a lot of uh, talent to come back and strengthen that team. Yeah, Rocco Simic was uh, on loan at Zurich last season. 
probably that means he will have been playing with Donis Avdijai uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, um, two nice finishes. Well, the second one was perhaps sort of lucky that he got a second bite at the cherry. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a Salzburg have just got so much firepower, haven't they? You know, you've got Seku Koiti, you've got Rocco Simic. Um, they've just, they've got so many strikers up front that, you know, if one person isn't firing, you know, Karim Konate, they've, they've got so many. Yeah, and it was Dedic the week before. Um, Rapid just not strong enough to challenge Salzburg in the league at the moment, especially with no Burgstaller and no Schick. Uh, they missed them for the Fiorentina game and again for the game at Salzburg. But there was a bit of trouble in the uh, fan sector as well when a, a Rapid fan tried to get into the Salzburg end and rip down one of the Salzburg banners and was then sort of punched and pushed out of the uh, the home end down to the to the concrete floor below. So that, that could have been nasty, couldn't it? Yeah, initially when the Sky cameras panned to this, it was a bald guy. So I was like, is that Gerhard Struber? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but obviously it was not. Um, yeah, it's a very Murray, Murray Walker kind of thing. Is that Gerhard Struber? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, we don't want to see violence at football matches, but it is also quite stupid of that Rapid fan to be trying to get into the, the home end. Yes, Um the consequences seem like a logical response to the action in uh, in some senses. So hopefully everybody's okay at least and uh, and no injuries. But uh, another bruising day for Rapid and uh, literally a bruising day for for that particular fan. So Salzburg six from six in terms of their wins in the Bundesliga. They've drawn in their Champions League group Sociedad, Benfica, and Inter. Very exciting. Another chance to go back to San Siro. Which if you're thinking about it, Salzburg fans, I absolutely. So you you must do it. It's so good at San Siro. Um, I mean, all those games are good. I'm looking forward to putting together some European pods uh, with previews of all of these games. But um, yeah, Salzburg perfect. And just about staying on their tails was Sturm, who made hard work of an away trip to Altach. Yeah, we caught a bit of this, didn't we? In the uh, the cafe, uh, the the Red Bull circuit uh, at Spielberg on the way home. Um, they probably got a little bit lucky in some senses because they relied on a, a 91st minute goal to get over the line. Um, but Stormgratz are managing to get that consistency that we say that Rapid and, and Lask and some of the other clubs don't have. And yeah, they did drop those two points to Klagenfurt. But other than that, it's been a perfect start to the season results wise. They're still very much hot on Salzburg's tails. Um, so yeah, they've uh, they've obviously done you sort of managed to build on on the consistency of last season this term too, which I think is quite impressive. Obviously big that they've kept hold of Alexander Prass and Gregory Vutrich, who were both rumoured to potentially be leaving. So I think they can they can be pretty optimistic this season. I still think it's extremely unlikely, especially with Gerhard Struber now at Salzburg and then seemingly firing on all cylinders that Sturm could mount a title challenge. But for as long as they can stay close, then we'll definitely take that, I think. Yeah, I think this was an important win, actually. Altac have got a lot more points at this stage of the season than many would have expected them to. And they put in a really good performance at home. They felt from the off, you could see, Altac really believed that they're playing better this season. They're more organised under Joachim Stanfest. They thought they could get a point and they so, so nearly did. And you know what? They pretty much would have deserved it as well. So take nothing away from Altac's performance. They really sunk their teeth into Sturm. And I think you can forgive Sturm for perhaps being a little bit unsettled as well. It's been a busy start to the season, a difficult start to the season for them with Champions League qualifiers and everything. And what a 
mental reset that must have been that Pras thought he'd gone, Wutrich thought he'd been sold as well. Both of them were basically on the verge of moves. Uh, you had news agencies reporting that they'd been sold already. And then they were back in the starting 11, staying at their club. And, you know, credit to them as professionals. They're happy to stay and they were, you know, were giving it all for Sturm. But it must have been pretty unsettling. And, and in the end, uh, Sturm got out of jail a bit. You know, it looked like uh, Kitaishvili, it was a clever finish. It looked like that would be the winner. Credit to Altac, they weren't going to give up. Paul Collar bundled in an equaliser and it needed uh, Mohamed Fusseini to uh, get a deflected goal in stoppage time for Sturm to take the win there. But I think that's a big morale booster for them. It's a good sign for Altac as well in terms of their level of performance, but massive morale booster for Sturm to actually take those three points. Their group in the Europa League uh, sporting, Rakov and Atalanta. So some pretty interesting ties there as well. It's the Rasmus Hoyland's old club's derby with the Sturm v Atalanta. Yeah, I think that group's going to be interesting. It's kind of hard to say because I don't really know all that much about how sporting are compared to where they were a few seasons ago. Atalanta, they've obviously just lost Rasmus Hoyland. Rakov almost made it to the Champions League in the end, um, sort of come out of nowhere in Poland the last few years. We've talked about them a little bit on our sister podcast, The Sweeper. It's, it's hard to know, really. If Sturm Graz want to get through that, they're definitely going to have to perform significantly better than they did in those Champions League qualifiers against PSV Eindhoven. Yeah, I was pleased at least to see PSV go on and smash Rangers in the next round. They look like a seriously good side, which sort of made me reassess how badly Sturm did against them a little bit. But um, tough groups for all the Austrian teams in, in Europe this season. Moving on from that, we'll round up our Bundesliga section there and we'll just finish off the pod with a quick word on the international break because there are two games for the Austrian national team coming up. The first one being a friendly against Moldova at Lask's Raiffeisen Arena. And then the second one, rather more important, an away trip to the Friends Arena in Stockholm for Sweden against Austria Euro 2024 qualifier. Uh, the Moldova friendly, let's start with that very quickly. What do you make of that? Is that a, uh, the, the idea is to build confidence perhaps without tiring out the players too much? Yeah, probably. I mean, Moldova had that historic result in the last international break where they came from 2-0 down to beat Poland 3-2 right at the death. Probably one of the, the best results in their history. But generally, they really don't get any good results at all. I think it's fair enough <laughs> to say that. Um, so it's quite... I'm kind of wondering, yeah, like you say, what the motivation is for this. Maybe it's they want a, a straightforward game. They don't want the players perhaps overexerting themselves and, and ruling themselves out or tiring themselves out for Sweden. Perhaps it's simply just ticking a box. Yeah, get back up to speed, get the team back together. Uh, Matthias Seidel included for the first time. Uh, Leo Kverfeld as well from Rapid. So some some nice extra additions from Austria. Uh, presumably we'll see Alex Schlager starting in goal. He was kind of uh, capturing that number one spot uh, in the last international break. But Austria have played themselves into a brilliant position now in the qualifiers. And I would say that with the advantage they have over Sweden, this is potentially the pivotal game for Euro 2024 qualifying. So no wonder this Moldova friendly is important. You know, there's maybe no use playing against Italy and having a kind of like grinding result against Italy. Maybe you lose or maybe you you give it your all for, for 90, 95 minutes and, and tire the players out. It's like everybody needs to be ready for Sweden because I think if Austria avoid defeat away in Sweden, I think they'll have qualification sewn up. Honestly, I, I do. Yeah, well, if they do that, they will be... 10 points ahead of Sweden 
and Estonia and Azerbaijan and they have one point each. So it's either going to be, well, Belgium and Austria but would both qualify if they finish first and second, wouldn't they? Um, and 10 points ahead of Sweden, who would have only four games to go to turn that around. It would, it would be a, a defining statement, I think, in this campaign. Yeah, that would be if they win, right? They'd be 10 ahead. But I think even if they draw... They'd still just need to beat Azerbaijan, beat Estonia, um, which I know they made hard work of in the uh, in the first set of games. But I think if they get a draw in Sweden, they can basically say they just need to do the bare minimum and, and they'll take one of those top two spots, which is which is huge at this early stage. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think they will get there. Um, I think their performance is under Ralph Ranić, perhaps not so much in the latter stages of that Nations League campaign, but definitely since the, the Euro qualifiers started, I think there were some dodgy moments, but generally they've looked good value for the points that they've picked up. And I, I thought they were really good in that game against Belgium. So I think that they will make it. Um, they just need to avoid defeat, obviously, in, in Sweden. And I think they can do that. Yeah, Austria 2, Sweden 0 was one of the real highlights of this campaign so far at home. If they can replicate that, we would absolutely love it. We'll be back soon to uh, to talk about those games, of course, uh, less so the Moldova friendly, maybe more so this uh, crucial qualifier against Sweden. But for now, enjoy those games. Enjoy the international break. We can sit back and relax after six Bundesliga weekends and uh, we'll see you soon when we're back for the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.